Welcome back to Bootability, a weekly interview series about the amazing ability we all have to change our lives and the world if we're brave enough to tap into it. I'm your host, Jihee Jolly. First of all, Happy New Year to all our listeners. We're excited to bring you today's conversation as a way to kick off 2022, and also to announce that beginning in mid-January, we'll be doing a month-long chanting journey for anyone who wants to begin or refresh their practice of chanting Nam-myoho Renge-kyo. Check out the show notes for details on how to join. Today, we're exploring what the power of a daily practice of chanting can really do for you, specifically if you struggle with feelings of helplessness, anxiety, or a need to control things. Our guest today is Will Moody of New Orleans, who shares his story of what Buddhism calls human revolution, or inner transformation, which is basically just tapping into your Buddha ability every day to change your life and environment. After struggling with anxiety and a tendency to micromanage everyone in his environment, including himself, Will learned to replace his fears with belief in the power of his own life and step-by-step saw his environment change profoundly. I'll let Will tell you the rest. My name is William Moody and I'm 32 years old, and I am calling from New Orleans, Louisiana, otherwise known as the Big Easy. <laughs> awesome. And what do you do in New Orleans? Uh, for my career, I'm a uh, assistant kindergarten teacher, and I am also uh, in graduate school uh, in a doctoral program that's online, thankfully, at uh, DePaul University. Awesome. Okay, cool. Um, so just so we can get familiar with context before we dive into today's topic, can you briefly just share how um, you started practicing SJI and Buddhism and why you were interested? Sure. Yeah, so a friend of mine uh, eight years ago uh, could see my suffering at that time. There were many things that I was struggling with, and she compassionately introduced me to chanting. Uh, and brought me to SGI meetings, and the rest is history. <laughs> um, but no, I mean the things that I were going that I was going through at that time uh, were that I was really struggling with my family. That's kind of like the main challenge that I've had, I would say, in my adult life. Is uh, well, really, my whole life. Um, I love my family so much, but uh, my parents divorced as I was going into high school, and mm. it was very challenging. Both my parents, I think, did the best that they could. There's no um, manual, you know, for navigating uh, that uh, kind of, uh, like, you know, really challenging experience. Uh, I know many other people have uh, gone through, but um, it was very, very difficult for me. And then my parents also uh, struggle with substance abuse, uh, particularly um just drinking is a big thing in my family. So that kind of added to a lot of the um, not feeling as if uh, I could, uh, I don't know what's the right way to phrase it, um, not feeling as if I could, well, um, maybe I'll stop there <laughs> without mm. just going on. I don't want to ramble. No, 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 no. Thank you for, for sharing. And I, I was going to ask a little bit about that. So so you started practicing Buddhism in, I guess, what would be your early-ish 20s, right? And so this mm. was on the heels of, I guess, 
yeah, high school wasn't that long before that. So I, I'm it's starting to the picture is starting to to evolve. Do you mind my asking? Um, also, just for a little bit of context, if you could share just a little bit about how you grew up or your family, like mm-hmm. you grew up in Louisiana. Do you have siblings? Just so that yes. since family seems to be part of the story, whatever you're comfortable sharing, and then I'll ask more. Of course. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, I grew up in Louisiana. I have a twin brother and an older sister. Mm-hmm. And then um, my two parents, as I mentioned, uh, they, as I just said, divorced in, um, uh, as I was going into high school. And so, yes, it was like a very, very challenging time already just going into high school. But uh, having that additional challenge in my family, uh, I feel made it made it even harder. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, from that experience, I um, kind of tried to escape, you know, the the challenges that were going on at home. Uh, for me at that time, I, I, I did it. Uh, I, my escape was uh, in books and also in theater. And I became very, very uh, into theater uh, and just really enjoyed like creating these worlds that I could you know, jump into and and kind of forget about my problems and and the struggles that I was experiencing at home. Um, and then my twin brother at that time, he and I had kind of become distant. And uh, I think just over the 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 course of those years, we had slowly started to um, just become like less and less close. Uh, which we had, of course, being twins, been very close our whole life. Uh, and then you know, basically. Uh, when college came around or the opportunity to go to college, I put all of my efforts into finding a school that I could attend that was far away from home. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, just wanted to get out of my uh, my environment, you know, that I was in and start somewhere new and fresh. Um, so I did that. I was very fortunate uh, to be able to go to New York University in um, in New York City for theater and began this new, you know, challenge or, or this new stage in my in my life. And I very much like was completely taken in by New York and all of the amazing, uh, just unbelievable things that I had never been exposed to that I that I was able to explore. And then, you know, I would I would say my years in college were really amazing because uh, I had this mentality of uh, I'm starting over. This is a new life. You know, I don't have to worry about my family. Uh, mm-hmm. I only would go back like, you know, once over Christmas and then maybe once during the summer, eventually I started working and stopped doing even that. But it was really, um, yeah, it was like, I'm leaving all that behind me and I'm going to start this new chapter. But um, my family was still really struggling. So I would have these periods of uh, just like really horrible dreams about my brother and, you know, him dying. And uh, he um, was struggling with substance abuse at the time. My family was as well. And they would call me and really, um, you know, just be so distraught. And, and, uh, and when they would share things, I just, again, felt like I, uh, like, I just didn't want to deal with it. I would try to uh, um, escape myself. I ended up, you know, actually drinking a lot myself. Uh, I would, smoke a lot of pot just to basically kind of not have to worry about anything. Um, I actually had really um, intense anxiety, which I, I, I haven't mentioned yet, but that started uh, at the end of high school and I was actually um, uh, put on medication for that. Eventually though, when I was in college, I uh, 
I stopped uh, taking medication uh, that was prescribed by a doctor and started kind of self-medicating with with pot and also uh, alcohol. Mm-hmm. But um, I was highly functioning. Um, so it just it never really affected my school. I, I made really good grades. But, um, you know, deep down, I, I started to really become really, really, really depressed. I mean, it, it didn't quite manifest until I graduated from college. But it was like this growing sort of sense of um, just, yeah, just sadness and not being able to um, feel as if I could help the people in my family, not feeling like I had anything or tools or resources or any way to help them. And then so I would try to avoid it, but then it would always come back in and it just, I couldn't escape it, but I was just always trying to, and it just never, Mm -hmm. yeah, just, uh, it was, it just grew and grew and grew until eventually, um, when my friend introduced me to Buddhism and that's when I was really able to start to address it. Yeah. Wow. Oh my goodness. Thanks for sharing all that context. And yeah, I'm, I'm thinking so many people are going to be able to relate, you know, whatever the, whatever the cause might be, even if the conditions are not exactly the same, that feeling of, um, you're like living with something inside of you that you just don't know how to resolve. And you, you don't get to escape it no matter how much you try at some point. Right. I mean, in Buddhism, mm. We call that karma, right? You have to face your karma. Um, but mm-hmm. I can imagine how hard it was. So, And so at this time, your friend introduced you to chanting. Um, so so when you first started chanting nam myoho renge was it like, yes, I love this and I'm already seeing changes? Or like, how were, how were the early days of, of your practice? And, and did you see anything change right away? Or Yeah, I mean, right away, I felt um, this incredible sense of hope and power you know, welling up in my life. I loved chanting. I mean, I still do. It's my favorite thing to do. But, uh, you know, at that point, I just, I had never known anything about Buddhism. I had grown up uh, Christian. um, And then I kind of stopped practicing all religion when I went to college. Um, And when I encountered Buddhism, even without knowing anything about it, I mean, literally nothing. I don't don't think I had even read anything about, uh, about the Buddha or anything. Uh, my friend just said, you know, try chanting, but I was really open. I mean, I was also so just struggling so much and just suffering so much that, um, you know, I was able to, uh, take this risk, you know, and try something new. Uh, but immediately that's what I think ultimately allowed me to continue was just the act of chanting without knowing anything about anything about it. It just Mm -hmm. felt so incredibly, I mean, it just felt so good. It was like, I, you know, I felt happier after I chanted. I felt more energy. And I think most importantly, I felt hope and just courage to face the things that I needed to face in my life that I was trying to avoid. Mm. Yeah, I see. Um, Can I ask you just uh, just to explain? I mean, we've addressed it, of course, so many times on the podcast, but I'm just thinking people may be listening to this also in January at a time when people are like, oh, I should do things to take care of my Mm -hmm. mental health or, you know, spiritual life or whatever. Um, How would you describe like what, what chanting does for someone who's Mm. completely new? That's a really good question. Yeah. I mean, now having done it for eight years, my understanding of it is, is um, much deeper. You know, at that time, as I said, I didn't know anything. It was amazing to me that I could just say these words and feel better. Um, 
but now my understanding of it is is what was what was happening was I was making a cause that was having the effect of elevating my life state. So, you know, in Buddhism, it's about cause and effect. And, you know, the causes that we make every day uh, create effects that ultimately uh, determine or, you know, create the life that we live. Um, Every thought, word and action that we take um, is a cause. So when you chant, you're basically uh, praising this part of your life that is powerful, wise, courageous, uh, joyful, uh, and you're calling it out. You know, it's and there's so many ways to describe, you know, what what actually is happening. But I, I really like thinking about it as as that, you know, I'm sure I've listened to many of the episodes of the podcast and you've talked about Buddhahood. And that's the name that we call this state of life that we can draw out of us and everyone has it. Um, and chanting nam myoho is the, is, is the way it's the practice. It's, it's the cause that enables you to bring it out in your life. Yeah. 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 Totally. Uh, that's such a great way and kind of simple, simple, but profound way to, to describe it. Um, so thank you for doing that. But if I could ask just one tiny kind of follow up that I, I think connects to this point, which is that, you described earlier that you've you felt very sort of out of control because of these early experiences, you know, with your family and then later in life, right? Um, so, how do you feel now? You know, do you mm. still feel out of control, or what? What is the sort of? Uh, of course, you've chanted about these very specific relationships and circumstances, and learned what it means to really challenge yourself to treat another person from this mm. place of respect, but. Uh, you know, day to day, what happened to sort of that, that struggle? Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, that's a really good question, because I feel that I have control over my life, you know, and and when I chant, uh, that's when I feel that most strongly, Um, when I'm able to really chant to my heart's content, you know, in the morning, which means getting up. And when I say that I want to get up and uh, challenging the goal that I've set for how long I want to chant, uh, we, we call that winning in the morning. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, when I, when I'm able to do that, uh, it's as if like, I'm always in the right place at the right time. And that the person that I'm in front of is, is the person that I need to speak with. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a really beautiful way of, of being where I don't feel like I'm like, just, you know, trying to figure out what's the next thing that I need to do. But it, it really feels as if like when I put that effort in to setting my intentions for the day in the morning, that it has this incredible ripple effect, you know, throughout the entire day that like I just feel so confident and sure where I am. And, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, there's still doubt, like I battle it every day, like I'm doubting, you know, and I have to sometimes go back and chant again. I mean, we always chant in the evening as well. Sometimes I chant on my lunch break when I feel like I need to elevate my life state because maybe something has happened that's gotten me down. So it's not like you just reach this point and it's all good. You know, it's like it's a constant battle, but you get stronger at it and you get better at it. And I've I definitely have over the last eight years I've been doing it. It's like I feel like I've become better at it and that I'm continually getting better at it. But um, it's just a wonderful feeling of of being completely present in the moment. And that's always mm-hmm. been, you know, a really um, difficult thing for me, because as I mentioned, I always 
uh, wanted to escape my life. So, you know, it's like coming home in a sense and realizing that um, my life, you know, the most important thing is that my life is here. You know, it's right here right now um, that I don't have to escape anything. Even if there's a problem, um, I can look at it, you know, and confront it with courage because I have the life condition to do that, you know, now. Mm. So absolutely makes sense. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. I think that that's very helpful just for people who might still be in that and not even be able to visualize what the outcome could look like. Um, so so I want to try something um, in terms of how to sort of frame the rest of our conversation today, which is um, to, to really drill into the anxiety that you started to mention, mm. um, because I, I think it's just so universal and just in, in situations where we feel like we don't have control or we don't know what the future looks like. I mean, human beings tend to go into overdrive headfirst into all kinds of unhealthy coping mechanisms, whether we right. realize it or not. Right. And so I'm sure many mm. people might be listening to this episode because they're like, oh, yeah, how does Buddhism help me deal with this? Because that's me, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I want to try to understand first a little bit of like before you started practicing or maybe even in the early days of your practice, what did it show up as in your life and what was the struggle really like so we can understand it? And then after that, we can talk a little bit about how you've seen chanting sort of help you deal with that sort of internal anxiety or turmoil or powerlessness yeah. or whatever it might be. So mm -hmm. um, as much as you're comfortable sharing, of course, could you describe a little bit? So, I mean, you shared this context with your parents and I guess at such a young age, you're already sort of like, I don't, I don't want to have to deal with this, but I also don't know how I can deal with this. Tell me a little bit more about kind of what the anxiety looked like for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I think it's always really come out uh, when people in my environment, in my life are doing things that um, are hurting me or that I'm perceiving to be like not good things that they should be doing or things that are unhealthy to themselves and unhealthy to those in their environment. Um, so like, for instance, with my parents, when they would argue or um, have fights, you know, when when they were going through their uh, divorce, um, it would, of course, I mean, it always made me feel powerless in a sense. And I, and I you know, I just kind of felt like, you know, I have the, my parents are incredible in that they've provided and given me everything that I could possibly need. I'm extremely privileged and had an amazing childhood in that sense, like all of the things I never wanted for anything. But, mm -hmm. you know, at the same time, I think their unhappiness and just their, um, yeah, the, the, just the process that they were going through and trying to resolve like their relationship and, and kind of the emotions that they were experiencing with that. Uh, unknown to them, I think, um, fully, you know, it was like, I, I feel like myself and my siblings, we were kind of caught up in that, you know, and um, I think so the anxiety would come out of me uh, just feeling out of control. And so, you know, that just continued and carried over with me. Uh, the more I tried to run away or escape my family problems, that just grew and grew and grew. Uh, and then eventually, I think, you know, even later, in my life, um, like even when I started practicing uh, this Buddhism, like that was something that I just started to have to address because it it really permeated all aspects of my life. Like with all of my relationships, I started doing this to 
other people in my life too. So even in my work environment, um, uh, with my friends and then continued with my family. So like uh, what it would, that feeling of being out of control then made me want to try to control the things that I could control. And I would become very, very, um, like, um, I, I don't like to use the word OCD, but I'm just kind of struggling with a way to describe it. Um, I know that's like, you know, a phrase I've kind of thrown around a lot I, without even fully understanding it as a condition, but I definitely became like someone who would micromanage, um, like anyone in my environment that I could. And I mean, I think this even like kind of mostly, uh, I would do this with my brother as well. And I would constantly be telling him like, this is what you need to do. This is what you need to do. Like just constantly mm -hmm. telling him, um, like all the things that I thought he needed to do to change his life. And then I would do that to my mom and I would just constantly tell her. And now I'm even away from my family and I'm not living so much in the, the, um, uh, I'm not like seeing the, the challenges every day that they're going through, but I'm still like, when I'm talking to them, they're sharing something and I'm just like, Oh, it's just, but you know, you, that's just so overwhelming to me. You need to do this. You need to do this, you know? Mm. And, and so it kind of created these, uh, it, it it made my relationships like with the people in my life um, un unknown to me at that time. And uh, this is something I'm still battling today. Um, but, you know, it, it, it makes it to where it's hard to develop trust, you know, because I don't um, have trust, you know, for people because I'm just afraid that they're going to hurt me. So I'm just trying to control like the interactions that we have. I don't know if any of that makes sense, but <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It totally makes sense. Um, I mean, it's such a personal thing. So thank you for for sharing. But I, I completely understand what you mean. And it's also amazing that I mean, perhaps it's in hindsight, but that you have that perspective and understanding that that's what was going on. Because mm. I think many of us um, have our own version of that and don't realize that that's what we're doing. Um, mm. And it strikes me to hear you, you say that you started doing this in other aspects of your life, because um, Oh my gosh, I don't even know how to explain this in a simple way. But, you know, in Buddhism, it, it's so different. Like one could listen to your story and say, oh, well, this started in childhood. And so let's blame the family. And that was that was the prison's life. You know what I mean? If you're mm -hmm, listening mm -hmm. to a story about someone. But in Buddhism, like we take full responsibility um, for whatever the condition of our life is or our circumstances are. And so it's striking mm -hmm. to me that you said that this was not just in your family, but then you started seeing kind of it in other aspects of your life, which right. it, it can be a hard pill to swallow in terms of sure, there might have been a catalyst in our environment or conditions that created a, a tendency, but it comes from our karma one way mm -hmm. or another. And so therefore we can do something about it. So for anyone listening, I don't know if that's empowering or <laughs> that's uh, stressful to hear, but, um, but yeah, but thank you for, for sharing all of that. So I'm curious, like, as you started to study Buddhism and, you know, you started to chant consistently and be more involved in the Buddhist community, um, how did you begin to even tackle like, oh, my gosh, this is what I'm feeling? I mean, how does one even start that process? What did it look like mm -hmm. for you? Wow. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I wanted to maybe start by sharing. I, I totally think for me, the, the, the concept of karma has been very empowering because it gives me a framework to understand like w what I'm experiencing and why. Uh, and then ultimately it's extremely empowering because the, the main message of karma from my understanding is that you have the power to change 
your life. Like you can actually change it right now. Um, and so, you know, those ideas, as I was studying more and more, um, specifically the writings of uh, our Buddhist mentor, uh, Daisaku Ikeda, um, I just started to feel um, more and more uh, that I had the power to transform this tendency in my life. And then, you know, through our practice of chanting, uh, supporting meetings, Buddhist discussion meetings, and, you know, really studying as much as I could, um, I started to be able to, yeah, really do what we call our human revolution, which is like the process of polishing our lives. It's, it's about developing our character and bringing out, again, this state of Buddhahood, which we talked about earlier, like becoming the best possible human being, the most compassionate, wise, courageous human being we can be. And so, you know, doing this process of human revolution takes time. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, when you start chanting, uh, it's, it's amazing just how much you start to change and grow, even without knowing what's actually happening. And so I think for me, like looking back, that's, you know, it's astounding to me when I look back and see like how much I've grown. Uh, of course, it helps, you know, to hear other people tell me as well sometimes just to remind me. Um, but I, I was thinking of one story that I um, just a recent experience that I could share that kind of illustrates a big breakthrough in this for me. And mm -hmm. so you know, I was having some challenges at my at my job. So I'm an assistant in, in the kindergarten that I work at. And um, my so I have a boss, the the lead teacher in the kindergarten, and uh, I love her so much. She's an incredible human being, but we haven't always had like we have an amazing relationship right now, but it, it didn't start that way. Or maybe it started and then it kind of like, you know, um, went through uh, some some lows. And, and now we've kind of, you know, gotten to this great place. But one of those challenges or lows, the 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 times of trial, I guess, in our relationship uh, happened at the end of last year, actually. Um, we just started to clash um, more and more. Um, I uh, just would come into work and um, feel like she was being uh, mean <laughs> to me and kind of sharing uh, words or even like greetings that were kind of like, uh, in hindsight, it's it's probably like what I was doing to my brother. It's like kind of reflecting, you know, what's in my life, uh, micromanaging, you know, just feeling like everything that I'm doing, I'm being told is not the right way and that there needs to be another way to do it. Um, and so all day, basically, the best way I could describe it is I would just feel like I was on eggshells, you know, just like not sure of what to do, because then if I did something, then it was corrected. And then, but then sometimes those things would be different. So I would just, I was just in this constant state of anxiety and, and confusion and um, just despair. And it had gotten to the point where it was really, really difficult for me um, to go into work. And I love this job. And I, you know, I mean, this job like changed the trajectory of my, of my life. It's what got me um, into education, you know, changed my career path. So it was very dishearten disheartening and, you know, um, alarming to me as I started to really struggle here um, and just really, really not want to come to work. I mean, that was kind of uh, what I was experiencing. But um, I'm so fortunate uh, for the practice because at that time I was encouraged uh, by many, many uh, people who I respect in the practice to really um, chant, you know, to do my human revolution 
really chance, you know, to, um, uh, to change, you know, uh, to, a concept in this Buddhism is that when we change, our environment changes. Mm-hmm. And this is another really profound uh, concept that is just really hard to believe because growing up, uh, I'm just so conditioned to believe that in order to change something, you have to like change it outside of yourself. Like it's, you know, it's like things only change like outside of myself, you know? So it, it was just very hard to believe this idea, like, wait, I can change and then things will change. Um, so anyway, <laughs> though, that's Buddhism. And so, you know, part of the the practice and the, the challenge is developing your conviction in that belief, you know, in that that um concept and so you know as i challenge this um i'm chanting 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 you know every day um i was trying to chant just so much before going into work uh and i had uh an amazing realization and it kind of coincided with um i was also studying at the time uh i'm studying educational philosophy of daisaku ikeda uh mm-hmm. as my uh, in my graduate school basically it's like all the educators in Japan who practice Nichiren Buddhism, um, and they found in common across all of the teachers who were trying to put um, Buddhist ideals into practice in their classroom, was that they respected the child above all else. You know, like they respected the person um, that they were teaching. Mm-hmm. And when I was chanting one day, and I'd like just kind of learned about this, like respect first, respect the person. I was thinking. When I'm chanting, sorry, this is a long story, but uh, I realized I don't respect my boss. You know, I didn't respect her uh, fundamentally. Like, and so, you know, basically I ended up engaging in a dialogue with her and we, um, it was really difficult, uh, but through the dialogue, I was able to, you know, once I had made this shift in my heart and realized, you know, that I didn't respect her and that I needed to respect her as she is, no uh, strings attached, you know, it doesn't matter what she does. I need to respect her as a human being and just to appreciate her, you know, in my life. And then through this dialogue, though, um, we were able to come to a greater understanding between us. And uh, she even shared some of the details of her own past that helped me understand some of the ways that she was acting. And then I was able to share, too you know, some of the the things from my past, and that helped us become closer. And then Mm -hmm. she also shared that she felt so judged by me, you know, that when I was around, like, she felt that I was just very critical of her. And it's just amazing, because that's exactly what I was hearing from some of my other family members, you know, Mm -hmm. and um, still, you know, to this day, that's one of the things that I've had to work with with them as well, that they feel that I'm just like m- trying to micromanage and control them and uh, that I'm very judgmental of their actions. So um, I know that, yeah, that's kind of a long explanation, but um, I, to me, it really does and has been an experience of uh, realizing that when when you change in your heart, you know, like when you change something like deep in your life, it does transform your environment because now we have a great relationship and, you know, I go to work and I love going to work and it's amazing. And anytime any issues come up, we dialogue about it. And um, it's just, it's a totally different night and day, you know, kind mm-hmm. of experience at work. Um, so I'm very, very grateful, you know, to the practice and this, this, this um, amazing 
um, philosophy in my life to be able to do that. Yeah, what an amazing example. I mean, it's such an interesting example because what I'm hearing you say is there's this step in between changing the thing that we're suffering from, which is seeing yourself clearly that Mm. sometimes I think gets missed. And so the fact that you are able to chant or you were able to chant and identify that, oh, I'm fundamentally, I'm not approaching this person with respect. So, and the whole relationship is born from our attitude towards each other in the most fundamental way, right? All relationships Mm. stem from that. Um, So that's like a, it's a very, uh, very profound example and to to think that that's exactly what you're hearing in terms of family too is it's interesting right it goes back to that karma or that kind of life tendency that we we develop um Mm. so i'm so i'm wondering how um like did you see this i mean because this is such a recent example but i'm sure with your family things have been changing over time right because like change isn't linear necessarily Mm -hmm. um but i'm i'm wondering so how did you sort of chanting and starting to have these realizations of oh i'm i'm really trying to micromanage or i'm not necessarily making people feel maybe i'm making people feel judged um Mm -hmm. once you started to realize all of that how did you begin to change it? And then did you see that reflected in other environments, you know, similarly to work, particularly with your family? Mm, Yeah. Wow. Yes. I mean, I've seen so many um, examples. I'm so glad you mentioned that, too, because I I can share more, too, about just how my relationship with my brother has transformed from this after this experience. Um, Mm. I thought maybe I could share um, uh, something that I read uh, that has really helped me, you know, in this, um, in this, uh, in, in trying to transform this aspect of my life. Um, this is from a lecture from Daisaku Ikeda. It's a writing that he, uh, it's a piece of writing on a specific writing from Nietzsche and Daishonin. So it's Daisaku Ikeda's, uh, uh, lecture on the writing from Nietzsche and, uh, and, the writing from Nietzsche and that he's that he's uh, talking about is called the Strategy of the Lotus Sutra, and this is one of my favorite writings. And I was studying this at the time as well. Uh, I always go back to this. It's probably my favorite writing of Nietzsche. Um, mm-hmm. And so one of the one of the things that Nietzsche says before I share what Daisaku Ikeda shares is Nietzsche says that it is the heart that is important. No matter how earnestly Nietzsche prays for you, if you lack faith, it will be like trying to set fire to wet tinder. Spur yourself to muster the power of faith. Regard your survival as wondrous. Employ the strategy of the Lotus Sutra before any other. And, um, you know, this is specifically the, the part where he says it is the heart that is important has always like encouraged me or stuck with me and so much that I've just gone back to it time and time again, trying to understand it on a deeper level. Uh, And, um, you know, when I was chanting to understand this, which I often do, I chant to kind of understand things that I'm reading from Nietzsche or Daisaku Ikeda on a deeper level. um, I, uh, you know, I I came to this other section in the the, uh, lecture where it's like a little side section where, where, um, Ikeda makes a note about heart and mind. And he says, in Chinese and Japanese, the same characters can be translated into English as either heart or mind. That is because they contain elements of both intellect 
and emotion. Uh, and he says, it is the heart that is important should not be read as referring to emotion alone, exclusive of thought or wisdom. Heart, in this case, indicates intent, similar to a sincere desire or vow. And it was like, aha moment, you know, it was like heart and mind, you know, they're basically, you know, it could be either heart or mind. So I was like, oh, well, when Nietzsche shares, it is the heart that is important, um, you know, he's not just talking about emotions. That's what I was thinking. I was just like, oh, it's like, you know, this emotion, like the feelings that are important, you know, your heart and your sincerity. But like, there's this deeper level to it that it's really about what's your intention? You know, what's your determination? And so, you know, my determination had to shift or like my intention with my relationships. Uh, so, you know, as I mentioned, I didn't respect people in my life. Like, it was coming up in these different relationships. Like I, my, my boss wasn't feeling respected by me because I, I was not respecting her fundamentally, you know, as someone who is a Buddha, essentially, you know, like really on a deep level, like not seeing that the people in my life as they are, you know, doesn't matter what they do, but that they are inherently worthy of this respect uh, just by being a human being. Um, so, you know, that was, um, one thing. Uh, and then I just wanted to share one other thing. Um, uh, I hope this connects, but now to share like what Ikeda said, that really helped me. He said, the power of our mind is truly unfathomable. A subtle change in, in one's heart can change everything. The practice that lets us draw forth this power is chanting nam yoho ringe kyo for ourselves and others. And so, you know, mm -hmm. our heart or what's in our heart actually has this tremendous effect, you know, on our environment. And, you know, without chanting, I would have never been able to see that in my life, you know, like that I, you know, the reason I was experiencing these challenges in relationships was because I didn't respect others, you know, I didn't respect them for who they were. And so, yeah, I mentioned I would share about my brother, you know, since then, um, it's taken about a year, you know, but I've really been able to change the way that I talk to him. Um, and so now, you know, when we when we speak, I used to always be, as I mentioned earlier, do this, you need to do this. Oh, you shouldn't do that, you know? And now it's like, I have tried to strike that from <laughs> my vocabulary, not to tell him what he needs to do, and instead just uh, be his friend, you know, and respect him and uh, just appreciate him as he is. And, it, you know, it's I have to work at it every day. And that's why I chant, you know, every day and <laughs> abundantly. So my life condition is high enough to be able to do that. But um, it has changed the way we talk. I mean, we're laughing, joking like we used to when we were younger. Um, you know, I'm just really amazed at how things are, you know, just completely changing and different than, you know, what they mm -hmm. used to be. Um, so... Yeah. Wow. You know, I love something I've always loved about Buddhism, but I love the way that you're sharing it is um, it's it's one of the only philosophies in which I've ever heard people set clear intentions or determinations for their relationships. You know, like in society, we're used to setting goals and intentions for our career, for how our 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 health or how we spend our time. But like mm. we just treat ex like relationships as something that you experience and you don't have any control over. And then you either cut people out of your life that don't work for you or you seek out other people that you want to surround yourself with. But to to think that you can take any any relationship, even if it's a harder one and set an intention based on your own heart mm. and mind is um 
very, very profound. So thank you for sharing that. I do have one follow up to this, um, which I'm curious about what was going on for you sort of internally, because what you just described, right, this like, like in Buddhism, we seek to to really respect the fact that everybody has this Buddhahood or Buddhability or unlimited potential just because they're a person. So we accept them the way that they are. And that's kind of the starting place to really um, to transform relationships. Mm. But we can't do that if we don't respect ourselves the way that we are. Mm. You know, we can't do that. We can't we can't accept other people the way they are if we don't accept ourselves the way they are. So I'm mm. just wondering like what was going on for you in in that sense cuz were you sort of um it was that something also that you had to really chant about or how did your relationship with yourself change mm yeah wow i'm so happy you brought that up cuz i mean that is such a fundamental part of it uh and it's something that i don't think i've really reflected on to the degree that i should but absolutely my confidence in myself has changed and my appreciation you know, for my own life. Um, I think it took me uh, realizing like um, how to have appreciation for the people who've supported me um, before, you know, I could really see, you know, how incredibly fortunate I have been uh, to have all of these amazing people in my life. But yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I, I, I think I've always struggled with confidence. And to be honest, it's it's something that I'm still struggling with to this day. Um, and I'm working on it every day, you know, to really believe in my own power, you know, to believe in my own potential. Um, and so for me, you know, these experiences or these challenges really were realizing that I have the power, you know, to change my life, you know, to change uh, my environment, which is essentially believing that I'm a Buddha, you know, and before not really um uh, you know, believing, I think, you know, just kind of in the moment realizing that, uh, that maybe I was judging other people, you know, because I was also being critical and judging myself, you know, and I was mm -hmm. very, I've always been very critical of myself. Um, you know, inter internal kind of battle, you know, uh, constantly, um, concerned uh, about, you know, everything that I do, micromanaging myself, uh, you know, and of course, it's reflecting, you know, in my environment and how I treat other people. Um, and so I definitely, you know, through these experiences have um, been able to um, reach a point where I uh, am getting better at that, you know, I'm not uh, beating myself up so much. Um, because I think that voice as well, like of, I've always battled in my anxiety, feeling like uh, second guessing everything that I do, um, mm. you know, and just constantly self reflecting on it. But internally, uh, this voice of like, you know, you're not good enough. Um, you know, should you have said that? Should you have done that? Like that um, voice I was able to realize is a is a devilish function, what we call a devilish function in Buddhism. Um, mm. So, I mean, this is an entirely different experience, but learning to uh, chant, you know, to battle that has been a big part of this human revolution as well. Um, but um, yeah, I don't know if this answers your question. I'm sorry. I'm kind of no, lost no, no, in my train of thought here. It absolutely does. And actually, I don't I, I actually it's it is clear how how these these things are are connected. Um, and I relate to it very much. So I, I feel like maybe it's also because I have experienced a few similar things to, to what you're describing. Um, okay. 
Yeah, totally. Because it is that, you know, put simply for anyone who's who's really new to Buddhism, we are chanting to really respect and to awaken our greatest self that everyone has, right? But if you view yourself in constantly in a way of you're not good enough or you're good enough if you behave in this way or mm. you need to improve this aspect of yourself and you're just kind of like constantly in that state, then of course, when you look at other people, you're going to look at them in that way. Like, I respect you when you're doing the right thing because I respect myself when I'm doing the right thing. I don't mm. respect myself when I'm not doing the right thing. Therefore, I don't respect you when you're not doing the right thing. It's I'm I'm definitely oversimplifying it, but it there. Mm. I I just think it's it's such an important thing that when we're chanting to really deeply respect our own life is is such an important starting place, and mm. that these things really go hand in hand, right? That's why the internal and the the external reflects the in, internal. Does that make sense? If I'm getting yes. what you're saying. <laughs> yes. No. Thank you. Um, I am like in the moment learning so many things as well. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> no, um, no, this is this is so wonderful. And before I move to the the final question, I just wanted to ask, um, or I want to try to sort of recap because this is it, it might sound so complex for people who are listening, right? This is such a like, deeply internal transformation. So mm. um, so for anyone who's listening that might have been sort of attracted to the topic because they're like, oh, I really struggle with my need for control or I really struggle with my own anxiety. How does Buddhism really help? Um, could you sort of just describe like on an average day if you wake up because these these are the, Buddhism isn't magic, right? These tendencies mm -hmm. or these um, inclinations we have, you know, whether it's anxiety that you struggle with or how you cope with it, they're there. They don't just magically disappear. So when you wake up in the morning and you're like, OK, I'm going to chant today. Um, can you just kind of walk us through like what does it actually look like to to challenge this? And what is sort of the, the will that wakes up and chant look like versus the will that doesn't chant in the morning or or doesn't practice Buddhism just so people can kind of have a way to think like, OK, this is this is why I should really wake up and try chanting. Yes. Yeah. So if I um, I'll start with if I don't chant, uh, which <laughs> I'm so happy to share that it's been quite a while since I haven't chanted on a daily basis, uh, just because my life has literally changed so much in such a positive way. And my um, experiences of, of, of my daily life are vastly different uh, when I chant versus when I don't. So I'm very committed to the practice of chanting. So when I get up, it's uh, the first thing I, I do. Well, I get some coffee first and then I go chant. Um, and, you know, when I'm chanting before I'll just sh share, like before I start chanting, um, my like natural state, as I've shared, is is to be very anxious and uh, to have this internal doubt and sort of like um, constant voice of like criticism and trying to, mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, determine if every little thing that I've done is OK and you know, just a very active, maybe um, internal mental process. But mm -hmm. when I um, when I chant, it's amazing about 15 minutes in that quiets down. It's not there anymore. I mean, I'm specifically focusing to my Daimoku, which is just chanting Nam-myoho-renge-kyo. It's just a, a word we use to describe Nam-myoho-renge-kyo. But Daimoku, like it helps me to um, to uh, basically defeat that inner voice because that inner voice is a devilish function in, a, in Buddhist terms, which is just like this aspect of our lives that um, 
that is there. You know, we have this inherently amazing life state of Buddhahood, but we also have what's called fundamental darkness. So every morning I'm, I'm challenging the fundamental darkness in my life, the, which to me manifests as that voice of doubt and insecurity and which creates anxiety in me um, about everything. And, and, and I'm able to, to break through. I'm able to defeat that when I'm chanting. Um, and then once I, and of course I'm sharing this, it's not, this is not how it is for everyone. Everyone has their own unique experience, I'm sure, you know, when they're chanting. But um, once I kind of get to that point where it's not there, then I'll start focusing my, my, my mind or focusing my heart, my intention for the day. Like, what is it that I want to do? Um, and, you know, this is, a, this is a developmental process. I'm chanting to believe that I'm a Buddha and to really believe that I have this power to, to transform my environment and then actually, you know, putting intentions for the day. So it's like, what is it that I'm trying to do for the day? What are the intentions that I have? Well, one of them is I want to, I want to be victorious. Like I want to win in my work. I want to win with my family. I want to win with my friends, you know, in the activities that I do to support, um, SGI I just I want to win in all aspects. And for me, what what winning means is, you know, just feeling as if I am really able to um, connect, you know, to people uh, based on respect and compassion um, and that we can become closer and, you know, we can um, have, you know, dialogues and relationships and experiences that are meaningful. And together we can uh, create, you know, a harmonious environment. And then of course, you know, that will have ripple effects, uh, to society Mm -hmm. connects to our mission as Buddhists to create a peaceful world, which all starts with us and how we treat other people. Um, so yeah, I I hope that, uh, kind of sums it up or helps (laughs) explain, you know, what that practice looks like for me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it is, it is, it is very practical, and I, I, I can relate. Yeah, to that, you, you can show up just as you are. I think that one really important thing to also point out in, in what you're describing is, um, self improvement in Buddhism is not like, oh, I'm rejecting any part of myself, or I need to pretend I'm this respectful, wonderful person, right? It's like the internal process of, of being like, this is how I feel. Okay, I wake up, and I might be really worried about how this thing is going to go today, or maybe I made a really big mistake yesterday, or I'm not so happy with how I spoke to that person or all those things are very real, but, um, still I respect myself and still I'm going to do my best today is very, very different than like, this is bad and this is good. You know what I mean? Mm -mm. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, um, yeah, thank you for sharing that. This has been an incredible conversation. I feel like you've covered so much already. Um, so I will, I will head to our last question to wrap up, which is what I always end the show with, um, even though I feel like you've already shared so much. But if you had to give one piece of advice to someone who's listening who is new to Buddhism and um, maybe has had a similar journey to you or might be struggling with whether it's anxiety or relationships or kind of feeling out of control, any of the things that you've described based on your own journey, what one piece of advice would you give them? When I was thinking about this question, I was, uh, it was, yeah, I mean, one of the things that first came to mind was that um, something I read from Daisaku Ikeda, uh, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he he talks about um, how in like Western culture, 
like Western thought begins with doubt. And, you know, huh. but like in a Buddhist, from the Buddhist perspective, like faith is like what's most important. And I know that's a loaded word and, you know, it, it means different things based on people's contexts. But, you know, my understanding or the way I would describe faith based on my studying is that it's having this conviction, you know, in the the power of your life to transform your environment. Um, and it happens through, you know, your own as we've shared, you know, internal process of reflection and strengthening your own um, Buddhahood. And so, you know, I just encourage anyone who's listening, um, you know, to no matter if you know anything about Buddhism or you don't, I mean, if you if you don't know anything or if you do, um, that doesn't matter. What I'm trying to say is that, you know, just uh, it takes like a little bit of a leap, you know, uh, of, uh, of faith, I will say, even though that may not uh, sound so assuring to some people. But uh, the only way that you can really see the power of this in your life is to actually try it. And so, you know, that's um, that's basically what I can share is just, uh, yeah, you know, just give it a try. I mean, that's that's like I'm so happy that I did and that, you know, my friend encouraged me to try because, um, yeah, I mean, my life is so amazing now uh, compared to what it was. What I loved most about Will's story is that he started chanting without really knowing too much about it and that much of his inner transformation came naturally as his Buddhist practice developed. In other words, if you already overthink your life, you don't need to overthink how to change it. Just chanting Nam Myoho Renge Kyo consistently is enough to put you on the path to sustainable happiness and freedom. I'll leave you with one final quote from Daisaku Ikeda that Will shared with me, which he said he read a lot on the days he struggled to believe in himself. It reads, The key to all change is in our inner transformation, a change in our hearts and minds. This is human revolution. We all have that power to change. When we realize this truth of life, we can bring forth that power anywhere, anytime, and in any situation. We'll be back next week with an episode on how to actually make chanting Nam Myoho Renge Kyo a habit, and we hope you'll join the chanting journey as well. That's all for today, and we'll see you next week.